0: Wow, I hope you had a, a great Christmas celebration. I know we did, and um, I'm thankful for all of them little grandbabies. And um, there's just nothing beats those uh, grandbaby snuggles. Um, but uh, I'm thankful for it, and, and uh, I know that uh, as we talk about celebration, I also want to offer a challenge to you today uh, through God's Word. Um, you know, we've had a, a great year. Um, if you're going to do anything in this year, you better get after it, because we're going to blink a couple of times, and then it'll be over. But uh, we need to make sure that we're, we're doing that. Uh, in a moment, we're going to read some scripture out of 2 Timothy, if you have your Bible and you want to open up to that. Um, but before we do that, I want to remind you a little bit of some of the things that we did this year in 2018 uh, at Memorial, and what a, what a blessing it has been uh, for us, we've been working hard, and we're also seeing God work hard all around us. Uh, indulge me for just a moment, and uh, as I remind, help remind us of a few things that we watched God do in our midst uh, in 2018. Um, in partnership with Texas Baptist Men and Maisha Kamili, um, we sent a water well digging rig to Kenya in January. Of this year. We raised $10,000 and we were able to send this rig over there and they started drilling in March and they hit water in April. And so, you know, as a church, we're impacting people on other continents and uh, people are being ministered to and they hear the gospel because they come to get fresh water. I mean, God and Memorial did that, and Texas Baptist men. But I'm very thankful that we are in partnership in that way. We've also been involved in disaster relief on several fronts. Uh, The hurricane in in Florida, uh, serving through feeding units and other cleanup efforts. Um, I want to say people without number have, have been ministered to, and the gospel has been shared with them through disaster relief. You know, we even sent a team over spring break, a team of college students, to Houston to help sheetrock a church from the, the last hurricane. And so it, was, it is a blessing to be involved in that and, and to send teams out to do that. And so our disaster relief has been a blessing as well. Also in the spring, we have a Good News Club. We, we hosted a Good News Club in Ray Allen Elementary right down the road here. And 11 children prayed to receive Christ as their Savior because of that Good News Club and, and by the way, our Good News Club is, is starting up again after the first of the year. And I want to encourage you in something. Um, this is a great way to practice telling children about Jesus. It's a great way to practice that. And so, if you're interested in doing that, we meet on Friday afternoons. If you're interested in doing that, you need to talk to Joel or Wilna Shoemate, and they can get you signed up for that. But a great opportunity uh, to to do that. Uh, Great training for our Vacation Bible School as well. Uh, Memorial also hosted a a Youth Disciple Now event early in the spring, and it was wonderful participation from our whole church. And uh, four college students... Uh, led small groups for our youth, and three of those four college students were members of, of our group here. And so we're we're teaching, we're we're discipling, we're raising up, and um, what a, what a blessing that is! In April, our our church memorial hosted a missions fundraiser, and we raised over forty six hundred dollars for missions Amen. in in one banquet, in one in one uh, fundraiser. You know, early in the summer, we sent out a mission team to Honduras, to Honduras, and worked beside Greg and Susan Hines, and over a hundred children prayed to receive Christ in Honduras. Amen. There was eight adults that prayed to receive Christ as well, and Caitlin Tyler shared the gospel. She's one of our youth. She shared the gospel with over a hundred children, Okay. So you've got youth who are sharing the gospel with others in foreign countries in a language they don't even speak. What a blessing! Our vacation Bible school this year was phenomenal. Casey Jumper wrote the curriculum that we had for it, and um, I mean, which is is a, a we're plowing new ground. She she wrote the curriculum that we used, and and we had a over 120. We had 120 kids. Registered for that, 65 workers, and we had an average attendance of 95 per evening for our Vacation Bible School. The, the givers, I want to call them little givers, but uh, those givers, they gave a, over $1,400 for a Tanzanian mission Amen. through Vacation Bible School. And the best part is that 33 children prayed to receive Christ. I mean... Folks, we're making a difference. If, if, that doesn't, if that doesn't get you excited and help you to celebrate what God is doing in our midst. I mean, we talk about numbers, we talk about budgets, we talk about a lot of things. But folks, this is the good stuff. I mean, we followed that up with our block party at the water park. And we guesstimate that maybe somewhere over a thousand people probably showed up to that um, The water park capacity is only 650. So yeah, we had a little bit of an issue there, but it was a great turnout. I mean, um, we cooked and served about 400 hot dogs in an hour. Okay, I mean, they were going like hot dogs. But um, it's crazy. It was crazy to see that many people at the water park. But we had a captive audience. And so we shared the gospel with them. And they witnessed some baptisms. We've never seen anything like that before. I mean, our, our, our event went viral on Facebook, and that's why people showed up. And we're making plans this year to do uh, something a little different uh, so that we can facilitate uh, the, the people that, that, that came for that. Um, still a fantastic event for our church. We will continue to do it. Our youth and kids' summer camps were a great success. We had great opportunities for our children to spend time together, the youth to spend time together and to grow closer to the Lord. Um, Our Bible drillers, we had seven Bible drillers drillers total. Um, Five of those uh, and one youth went on to regionals, and five of our Bible drillers went on to state. They competed in our state competition Two youth went to state in the Youth Speakers Tournament. I mean, these are, these are children and youth that are implanting the Word of God in their heart. What a blessing that is to see not only ours participating, but, but going on to a regional and a state level. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. That's amazing. We had our Harvest Fest this year. Great neighborhood event as usual. It was held indoors because of the weather concerns and the super participation by our church body. It was well organized well staffed we We figure about three to four hundred people showed up for that um, and what a blessing it, it was. It shows that our community is is trusting us. They trust us with that and they 're showing up more and more in november we We sent a team out to Suriname on a Suriname mission. three of our uh, Missionaries from our church went to the jungle for evangelism and discipleship training. There were five baptisms in the jungle. I think that's huge. Five baptisms in the jungle, 12 in the city. See, people are hungry to know more about Jesus. And we're carrying the gospel. This year, through Feed My Sheep, Memorial sent a team every month Every month to feed the homeless in Temple, we average about 125 each month. I mean, what a great blessing that we, as a church, are able to do that—to go and and work and serve and being involved there with Feed My Sheep. Our King Agers, oh, what a great group of wonderful seniors! They meet and they're growing. They're growing in grace and fellowship and in fun and in numbers. They meet the third Thursday of the month, so if you're available, third Thursday of the month. A couple of other quick things of note. Um, some of you might have noticed something out by the pavilion. There's a, what we call a gaga pit. Okay? I wasn't sure what that was when I first heard it. But it's something that youth play. It's a game that's played with a ball. It's kind of like a dodgeball in a pit. The only way I can describe it, but they love it. It's being well used, and it's something that, that I think is, is wonderful for our, our, our young people. Uh, kids worship started, so that we're having uh, worship going on while we're having worship in here. We have also have our check-in system that is up and running and, and doing well. We had a wildly successful Christmas program, with How the Grinch Met Jesus. We're very thankful that the gospel was shared in and through that. Many of our classrooms this year have gotten a facelift in our children's area, also in our youth area, in our college area. We also had a very smooth transition in college ministry and a change of leadership. I mean, what a, what a blessing that was. Uh, what a great um, blessing in God sending Braden and uh, Caroline to us. Praise the Lord. Amen. See, what I'm trying to say is I'm celebrating this year, we've had a great year. We've seen God do a lot of things. And this isn't even all of them. This is just some of them. There's a lot more things that God has been doing in our midst. Too many to count of how He has been at work. We've, You know, families have been touched and lives are being changed because of your investment. Because of your involvement in our community. I mean, week after week, people are meeting in our Sunday school and connect groups. They're getting together. They're discovering that what we have in common and and that we're discovering that we love the Lord Jesus in the same way and that we can work and, and serve in our community. The gospel is being preached. The Bible is being read and taught. People are growing in their faith. Our worship is genuine. It's in spirit and truth. I love that. See, God is being glorified every week through this body. God is being glorified all 52 weeks of this year by the work and the ministry of Memorial Baptist Church. Folks, we can celebrate what God is doing. Amen. We can celebrate that. But I want the challenge part of this is this: I don't want us to sit back and rest. Now is the time to push the accelerator. Now is the time to reach deep and do more and give more and be more and go more and pray more and serve Him more in everything that we do. It's not a time to shrink back and say, well, we had a good year, let's just rest it's the time to press in and get busy doing the things that God puts on our hearts. See, I, I asked the question, what should be the goal of our church? We've seen quite a few people saved. And you might think, well, to get people saved, that, you, you might think that would be the goal of our church. But that's not the goal of our church, is not to get people saved. The goal of the church is is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our goal, is to make disciples. I mean, sometimes people get saved. Sometimes people get saved and they slip back into their carnal fleshly way, the unspiritual way of life. And we don't like to think that that happens. But the truth is, and you know it and I know it, Our experience and the Bible itself tells us that that's what happens sometimes in people's lives. Especially if they've never been discipled. You see, every believer needs to be discipled. Every believer needs to be discipled. Everyone needs a Paul in their life to look up to. Someone that can pour into their life. Everyone needs a Barnabas who walks beside them. Everyone needs a Timothy to pour into. Three people that you need in your life. A Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. See, that's how how God designed it. And I just want to challenge you to ask God to reveal to you those three people in your life. A Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. Ladies, it may look a little different to you, but you understand what I'm saying. We need somebody, a spiritual mentor. We need a spiritual, uh, somebody to walk beside us. We also need someone that we can pour into. See, we need to to start meeting. I want to say one-on-one with someone in 2019. You need that, and so do I. We need to be meeting with someone in 2019. We need to be intentional and purposeful in meeting the needs of preschoolers. Man, if we learned anything about Vacation Bible School, we saw an incredible need for preschool uh, development. We we saw an incredible need for preschool care in this area. We opened it up to preschool down to age three. Half, half of the kids that came to Vacation Bible School We're kindergarten and down. Folks, that is an amazing insight into our community. We need to be more intentional about meeting the needs of preschoolers and children and youth and young families and the senior adults in temple. Folks, we need to grow up in our faith. We need to grow up in our faith to where we can see the needs of others and not just ourselves. Because when it comes down to the bottom, most of us are pretty selfish in what we think about and what we dwell with each day. We need to see beyond ourselves and see the needs of others around us. Now, admittedly, we may be above average in many things. But my desire is not for us to be above average. My desire is for us to be excellent in everything that we do. To do it with excellence. Our desire must be to be all that God wants us to be. Not where we decide to, to stop. You know, we, we see a lot on television these days about bowl games and championships and football. And ladies, you're probably sick of football already. But you know, when, when teams compete for, for championships, sometimes even during the game, there's a great team will make some adjustments. They will change things up, and we're going to have to make some adjustments. We're going to have to change the way we think about things as a church if we're going to impact our community and especially this neighborhood with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've put 320 homes on this side of our building. They're putting another 300-some-odd on this side of our building Do you realize how many people that is in this neighborhood immediately around our church to minister to? Folks, we've got to do something different than what we are doing. It's not about our comfort. It's about meeting their needs. What are their needs? We need to be praying intentionally about that. But we have to think differently. I want you to write this down. If you're writing down, write this down. We need more focus. We need more discipline. And we need more effort. More focus, more discipline, and more effort. If we're going to attain excellence. I know some of us are thinking, man, Brother Ridge, I'm, re- I'm doing all I can right now just to be here. And, you know, we probably think that, that God is, is lucky to have us on his team. But, folks, it's not that way. He deserves all the credit. I mean, Jesus hung on that cross. And he bled out for you and for me. We can give it a little more focus we can give it a little more discipline. We can give it a little more effort. See, I want to read for you in Second uh, Timothy, Paul's words to, to young Timothy. And I want to begin in, in chapter 2. Uh, I just want to read seven verses here. Um, beginning at the beginning of chapter 2 of Second Timothy, Paul writes this. He says, You, therefore, my son, be strong... ...in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me... ...in the presence of many witnesses... ...entrust these to faithful men... ...who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus... No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding. In everything. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for how it challenges us. And Father, I see that in your word we need more focus, we need more discipline, we need more effort. But God, you are the one who brings about the increase. Father, this is your area of the vineyard. I pray that in these moments that your Holy Spirit would would just cover this place. That your Holy Spirit would cover our hearts. Father, that you would convict us of your truth. And Lord, that we would be forever changed. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the essence of the gospel... Is that Jesus died for our sins, just as the Old Testament prophecies foretold? They said he would come and he would die. And when when people repent of their sins and ask Jesus to come in and make them clean, (laughs) he does just that. He comes in and he forgives us of our sins. And we say they are saved, they've been saved. But listen, integrity begins the moment we receive Christ. We are given a blank piece of paper, a new white sheet of paper, if you will. And we build on that clean white sheet of paper. And I live life according to the word of God from then on. He's the one who saved me. He's the one who cleansed me. He's the one who gave me my life. I live my life for him. And I am in God's word on a regular basis. And the spirit of God has free reign in my life to build and to do as the spirit of God leads. To produce Christ likeness in my life every single day from then on. See, that's the foundation of integrity. The fact that Jesus Christ comes in and he cleanses us. We owe our life to him. We are a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. That's what Scripture tells us. And to show God we are grateful for saving us, we should live a life that is full of concern and love for God, but also full of love and concern for those around us. The two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, that is the, the, the emphasis there. That's the message that Timothy is supposed to commit to faithful men live your life with integrity see the greek word for faithful here has a rich meaning has several a person who is faithful is a person who is believing a person who is faithful is a person who is loyal a person who is faithful is a person who is reliable All of these meanings are in this when he says entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Folks, we've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful to God. We've also got to be faithful to the Lord Jesus and his body. We could talk about faithfulness for quite a while, couldn't we? Because we know people that show up that aren't faithful. We know people that aren't here that are faithful. You see, our thinking needs to be changed. What does it mean to be faithful to the Lord Jesus? But you see, I want to take it a further. Leaders in the church must be so committed to Christ and to His gospel that no threat of danger or persecution will, lo- will, will lure them away from the path of loyalty. No false teaching will cause them to stray off of the narrow way. Folks, we need people who are rock solid. We don't need people who are all over the page. They're all over the place in our world. They're a dime a dozen. We need people who are rock solid, who are sold out to Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what we need. But the task doesn't stop with the leaders. Paul says they must be able to teach others also. (laughs) I believe that's what distinguishes a disciple from an ordinary churchgoer. You know, your garden variety churchgoer. A disciple is one who is able to pass on what they know. A disciple is one who is able to reproduce themselves many times over, just like the good seed in Jesus' parable that produced a hundredfold. Let me ask you a very personal question. How many disciples are you making? Are you reproducing? If you look back over the last year, if you look back over the last five years or ten years, how many disciples are you reproducing? My mom used to say the proof is in the pudding. How does it taste? What is it like? I mean, if you were reproducing someone just like you, what would they look like? I'm not talking spirit or physically, I'm talking Spiritually, what would they look like? You see, if you lead one person to Christ each year, at the end of 10 years, there will be 11 Christians, yourself included. But if you disciple one person a year, So that each one of them can disciple someone the next year. In 10 years, there would not be 11, but there would be 1,024 disciples. That's a big difference. That's exponential growth. Folks, that's what we need. Exponential growth in the kingdom. Stop feeling like, well, I shared my faith with one person this year. Good job. You need to do that on a daily basis. I need to do that on a daily basis. We all need to do that on a daily basis. And we need to be pouring in to those Christians so that they become disciples. See, each generation... Must be discipled. It's not enough for us to sit back and feel like we've done and accomplished our work because the work is not done yet. In our text, the Apostle Paul wants Timothy to join him in suffering hardship for the sake of the gospel. Folks, that's a tough sell in our comfort oriented culture. But here's the reality. And here's the mentality of a typical American couch potato. Park as close as you can to the store so you don't have to walk very far. This is our, cul- our, our comfort-oriented culture. Drive a block rather than walk. Sit in your recliner with your remote in your hand, watching all those crazy guys run all over the field. And the only exercise you're going to get today is to get up and go to the fridge and get you some soda and some chips and come back and sit back down. But that's where we live. That's where we are. And Ridge, you want me to embrace hardship for the cause of the gospel. See, it's a privilege. It's a privilege for us to receive the Christian faith. Someone shared the gospel with you. And that's why you are a believer. But it's also a duty to pass it on to someone else. See, to be a fruitful Christian, you must be willing to Suffer hardship for the gospel in view of future rewards. Because if all we want is self-gratification. That's what we're going to get here and now. But my desire is to see each of us laying up rewards for heaven. Putting off what our flesh wants now. So that we can have those eternal rewards later. But we don't get that. We're so mesmerized by the laziness, by the fatness of our own society that we want to be just like them. See, I I put forth a new thing. I want us to be lean and mean and fighting machines in 2019. I want us to get into the battle. Because, folks, the battle is waxing hot. And we're watching TV. We're sleeping. Why would anyone be willing? Why would they willingly embrace suffering? See, this text assumes that as a Christian, you desire to be fruitful. It assumes that as a, as a Christian you desire to be fruitful for Jesus Christ. And my question is, is that a valid assumption? Are you choosing to be fruitful as a believer? Or do we just not care? See, if you are, being, if you are uh, choosing to, if that assumption is right... You're either serving Christ in some capacity or you are seeking a place of service to him. Because you are choosing to be fruitful. You are wanting fruitfulness in your life. In other words, underlying Paul's command here to suffer hardship, and it is a command. It's not just a a nice suggestion. But underlying Paul's command to be fruitful here, to endure hardship with me, is Jesus' command... In Matthew 6.33, this says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's the command. To seek first His kingdom. (laughs) But in order to seek first His kingdom, we have to bump it up to the top of the list. It has to become a priority for us. (laughs) it must control everything else. That's what we don't like. We don't like his kingdom being in control of our life. I'm doing just fine, Lord. See, sometimes we view the kingdom of God as a nice slice of life. Because it makes us feel good when we go to church on Sunday, when we have some kind of spiritual element in our lives. But the reality is, for most of us, that God's kingdom is not at the center. We're more consumed by the stuff of life. Of making a living, of feeding our family, of taking care of our mortgage payment, of doing the things of life rather than seeking first the kingdom of God. His kingdom is not the driving force for most of our lives, and we know that. So instead of seeking first his kingdom, we dabble in his kingdom. But we don't seek it first. Not if we are in spirit and in truth. Not if we are being honest. To to sell this difficult command, Paul uses three different illustrations. I'll move through them quickly. And he urges us to consider what he says first. He says first the soldier must be focused and avoid entanglement in order to please his commander. Second, he says the athlete must be disciplined to compete according to the rules in order to win the prize. And thirdly, he says the farmer must work hard to enjoy the first fruits of the harvest. See, each of these endures hardship for the sake of future rewards. And Paul is saying this. He's saying, reflect on my words. Think about what I'm saying. He says, Timothy... Here's the mindset I want you to have. I want you to have the mindset of a soldier. I want you to have the mindset of an athlete. I want you to have the mindset of a farmer. He says about the soldier here, he says, you know, in, in Paul's day, soldiers for the Roman empire, the Roman army, they were recruited away from their jobs. They may have been farmers, but now they have been pressed into service. They have been recruited by a captain or a general in order to be a part of their, the army. And they're paid while they're in the service of the Roman army. But while they're in the service of the Roman army, they're away from home. They're not thinking about home. They're not thinking about what's going on. They're thinking about fighting the fight and doing, being all in with their captain, with their general. Paul is saying, Christian, be ready for the kind of sacrifice and hardships that are called for in the Christian life. And then he speaks of the athlete. You know, athletes in the ancient Greek games, they were required to come before the judges and and even before the contest started and swear to Zeus that they had been in training for the last 10 months. They had to they had to make that vow. And this is probably what Paul means here when he says you can't win the prize unless you compete according to the rules. And unless you can come and you can acknowledge that you've been in hard training for 10 months, you can't even compete for the prize. And then he speaks of the farmer. I love that because in verse 6 it says, The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. You know, before the farmer gets the yield, he has to break up the soil. He has to prepare the soil. He's got to clear all the rocks out of the land. He's got to plant it. He's got to endure all the threats of weather. And then he receives his reward. You know, sometimes I find that the hardest work of all is the work of godliness. Because it seems like every virtue that I want in my life, there are three notorious sins that are lurking in the old nature. When you're trying to do something right and trying to move forward, it's like three uh, gross other things come to surface that that, that you're trying to work at. See, I I believe that we have to do that. We must work at killing the old nature. I mean, Paul says it in Galatians 2.20. For I'm crucified with Christ... It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We have to work at clearing the field out. It means working at breaking Possibly an addiction in your life that overpowers you, or maybe you're treating someone in a way that 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 Christ wouldn't approve, or or all of us maybe have a habit or a relationship that needs to be straightened out so that we can honor God in every area of our lives. But we have to work at it. Just like the farmer works in his field. That's what Paul is saying. We need more focus, we need more discipline, we need more effort. See, all of these are images that Paul gives us to remind us of the sacrifice and the hard work that encompasses the Christian life. And Paul tells this to Timothy, he says, work hard and don't expect it to be easy. Suffer hardship with me. Get in the game, get in, get involved in it and, and be a part of it. Look at verse three. He says, "Suffer hardship with me." He's reminding Timothy that in the Christian life and in ministry, expect hardship and embrace it. <laughs> That's so important for us to hear. I'm almost done. We live in an affluent society. That cherishes its ease and comfort. We don't want to do anything that's hard. We don't want to have a hard row to hoe. We always pick the easy one. We always want something easy. And when hardship comes along, typically we're surprised by it. It's like, well, why is this happening to me? My question is, why not? People face hard things all the time. Every person here is dealing with something that they find very difficult to deal with. Folks, it's going to be that way in our Christian life. It's going to be that way in our spiritual life as well as our physical life. We think that somehow it's supposed to be easy. That the church is supposed to grow easy. That the work is supposed to be easy. That the Christian life is supposed to be easy. There's nothing easy about any of it. And in spite of that, we are making great strides for His kingdom. Lastly, Paul says this. He says, remember Christ Jesus. Look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Him. He's asking him to embrace, to to endure hardships, to suffer with me. And then he says, remember Jesus Christ. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Suffer with me, suffer hardship with me, and remember Jesus Christ. He's reminding him that the Christian life is not easy. The one we follow is crucified. We follow a crucified and risen Savior. He is our Lord and Savior. We follow His example. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't give up when it came time to die for my sin. And I don't want to give up. And I don't want to fall short. When I'm building and discipling and helping others know what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Not on my watch. Not today. Not ever. See, Paul says to to Timothy, and he says to you and me, be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. Live this life in dependent responsibility, depending on him, and be ready to suffer hardship. Don't be surprised when it comes into your life. And whatever you do, remember Jesus Christ. Because he's the one that we serve. He's the one we serve. And someday we're going to stand before him and he's going to hand out the rewards. Not Brother Ridge, not Memorial Baptist Church. Those rewards are his to give. May it be said of us that we were faithful and fruitful. And I challenge you as a church, to do more in 2019 than we did in 2018. Individually and as a corporate body. Let's go. Let's do it. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And Father, we, we celebrate you we celebrate you at work all around us we recognize that apart from you we can do nothing but god we recognize that there is much much more work that needs to be done so father i pray that even in this moment that your holy spirit would examine our hearts father that we would that we would repent of our own shortcomings, the things that we gave up on, the things that we didn't put our heart into, the things that we know we just decided, I'm not going to fool with that anymore. God, that you would bring them to mind and that we would repent of that. Father, that the things that you bring to our hearts that we would do with excellence... That, God, we would not just be indifferent to it, but, Father, that we would give you our best in everything that we do. Father, that it would be for your glory. Father, not for our fame, not for our name, but, Lord Jesus, for the glory of your name. Father, I pray that you would help us to attempt great things for you. and Father, I pray that you would give us the grace to achieve great things for you. Lord, what a blessing it is to be called your children. I ask, Father, that in this moment that you would just continue to speak to our heart. Father, that you would convict us when we're not living with integrity, when we're not in sync with you, when we're not doing the things that you call us to. Lord, I pray that you would just bring about a great repentance upon your people and help us to know you better. Guide us as we seek to be your disciples and to disciple others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.